Cheers Cast is part of the Fire and Water Network. Hi, everybody. Oh, hey, Carla. Uh, got some flowers here for you. Oh, for me? Yeah, very cute, Carla. You've gotten flowers every day for the last two weeks. Ah, mmm. Yeah, guess I ought to be feeling a little guilty. I mean, I'm getting all these flowers and there are bees going to bed hungry. Yeah. <laughs> We're kind of curious here. Who, who, who's your secret admirer? None of your damn business. Thank you, Carla. Sam. So what did she say? None of your damn business. Well, excuse me for living. <laughs> uh, what if I said that to you when uh, you asked me to show you how to throw a knuckleball? You did. Oh, so we're even. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Cheers Cast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly, and with me once again is the host of the Class 1000 podcast, Mr. Gene Hendricks. Welcome back, Gene. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for uh, inviting me into the bar once again. <laughs> well, I, you know, we we're, we're open for pickup. You know, you do have to. We do have <laughs> new new restrictions, but it's a oh. virtual bar now. It's a different experience. <laughs> oh, it's, so it's basically uh, drizzly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, people, we are here to talk about Season 3, Episode 13, Who Done It? This episode is written by Tom Reeder, directed by James Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, January 3rd, 1985. This is our first 1985 episode. Frazier and Diane bring Frazier's mentor and idol, an eminent psychologist named Dr. Bennett Ludlow, to cheers. Despite assurances that they are now colleagues, Frazier cannot get past the hero worship he has held for Dr. Ludlow since he was a student. He is too scared to point out that Ludlow has a stain on his tie from dinner for fear of embarrassing the man. While Frazier seeks advice from Sam and the others, Carla points out the stain directly to Ludlow, not caring in the slightest whether he's embarrassed or not. Attracted to her frank honesty and boldness, Dr. Ludlow excuses himself from Frazier and Diane's company to ask Carla on a date. As weeks pass by, Frazier grows more and more depressed that his hero frequently breaks his plans to meet with he and Diane. At the same time, Carla's love life picks up as an unknown suitor sends her flowers, and she has to swap shifts with Diane. Sam hypothesizes that Carla has started dating Ludlow, and that's why the man keeps blowing off Frazier and Diane. Frazier thinks it's farcical that a man of his hero's stature and class would date someone like Carla, but he doesn't exactly laugh when he sees Ludlow and Carla kiss in the bar. Later, after Ludlow returns from a business trip, he comes to the bar to ask Carla to marry him. She deflects the question and slinks off to the pool room. Diane follows her, and Carla reveals that she hasn't told Ludlow about her five children yet. When Ludlow comes in, expecting a clear answer to his proposal, Carla tells him that not only does she have five children at home, 
but she is also pregnant with her sixth, Ludlow's child. In spite of this shocking news, he is still eager to marry Carla. In shock, Carla still can't accept his proposal, telling him that despite all of his goodness, she doesn't love him and she can't marry him. She will, however, let him support the child financially. So, Gene, what did you think about Who Done It? None of your damn business. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I had to. (laughs) Oh, it's such a good one. We'll come back to that one at the very end because that is one of my, that's my home run too. But yeah, that is. (laughs) Now, I I really enjoyed this one. Uh, It's another one that you see Sam is smarter than the smart people, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) which is really nice because he, he's a bartender he sees people, their interactions and everything, and he can put two and two together where the snobs basically, oh, no, that, that would never happen. Right, right. So, yeah, yeah it was a fun one. Yeah, yeah, and the, the way he, he points it out brilliantly, too, because he's like, you know, we got these two mysteries. Carla's dating some guy who's obviously pretty classy and sophisticated, and your friend doesn't want to, like, is avoiding you like the plague. Which is the you know the the easier of the mysteries or something, and then, or Fra- yeah, Fraser's like you know this a man of his stature would not date a common barmaid. He's like you're dating a barmaid. He's like well she wasn't when I when I fell in love with her. He's like oh right she was a lunatic. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. I, this was this one kind of crept up on me how much I liked this one because I would say. The Carla-centric episodes up to this point haven't necessarily been the strongest. Um, mm. I, th- I think of all of the characters, Carla tends to be the weakest because it feels mm. like she only has one lane, kind of. Like, she's, yeah, she's not as much it, of a multifaceted character as some of the others. Now, Yeah, she's, she's e- either dealing with her ex mm-hmm. <laughs> or she's dealing with... A new suitor. That seems right. that seems to be only two options you have for her stories for some reason. Right, right. And the the ones with her ex tend to be more standout episodes because of the strength of Dan Hedaya and his performance yes. as Nick. Um, the other ones with her, and I, I mean it's it's no fault of hers, but like up to this point, she has been mm, she's not the most three dimensional of the cast. Now they're not all. I mean. I, I wouldn't say Coach is all that deep, and, yes. but you know his. He he also he's not. He, he Coach is the guy you love. Carla, by her nature, is very acidic. She's always hurting people to one extent or another. So, uh, yeah, it, it can be hard to like her as much. But with that said, I really like this episode, and I thought like she she could play sort of to her type for most of it until we get to the end. Um, and and still be kind of funny because the the attraction to her from this very note is kind of defies normal explanation as far as like Fraser is concerned, but he just he has a thing for her. He's he's just yeah. If you look at how Fraser and Diane are dealing with Ludlow in the beginning, mm-hmm. where they're they're going through all these hoops to oh how can we tell him he has a spot on his tie. Whereas Carla just, hey, you got a spot in your time. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, she he probably finds directness refreshing because he's a psychiatrist. People tend to avoid topics with him in his professional life. Obviously, 
in his personal life as far as uh, Frazier fawning all over him. Right, right. Like apologizing for the weather, you know, oh. like, like making an excuse, that, you know, saying it was Diane's idea to come to a place like Cheers if it's, as if it's beneath him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, like, yeah, like, why, why would you? I, I don't, I wouldn't want to hang out with somebody who treated me like that, but yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting because the the one thing I noticed. I should, about I should clarify: if Shag wanted to acquiesce to me like that, that would be fine. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that that went without saying. Yeah. <laughs> but the the way Frazier was constantly apologizing, it, my daughter, who's twelve, has gotten into this thing where she apologizes constantly, and we're trying to break her of. It's like you know, she trips and falls and says, "I'm sorry." What? <laughs> <laughs> It's, you, there's nothing to apologize for. You, you know, being a klutz is not just right. your genetics. You, yeah. you, can't, you can't really apologize for that. So it's just the rhythm he fell into was just hilarious as far as that went. Uh, but yeah, I think really everyone – again, it's an early season episode. You got a little bit of something for everybody in here. Yes, it was a Carla-focused thing, but Frazier and Diane had plenty to do. The little bit back and forth between Coach and Sam with a knuckleball was great. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Cliff got some good lines. Norm got some good lines. Mm-hmm. Ludlow stood out. Yeah. As, you know, guest stars right up there with everybody. So it – because the writing was nice and even across everything, and no one was getting the short end of the stick. Right. Yeah, and, I, and actually, I mean, since you, you mentioned it, yeah, we'll talk about the, the guest casts. Um, Dr. Ludlow is played by James Karen who was in a ton of stuff. Um, oh, yeah. I think, I think he only passed away about two years ago. I think it was like 2018. Um, he was in Return of the Living Dead and Poltergeist, two big horror credits. Uh, he was in Hercules in New York, Arnold Schwarzenegger's first one. <laughs> um, uh, he was in All the President's Men. Uh, he appeared in one episode of MASH, that's for Rob, uh, but also like showed family ties, moonlighting MacGyver, tons of stuff. Yeah, he, he's the professorial type this mm-hmm. is this is the actor you cast when you need someone to fill that knowledgeable middle-aged or slightly older gentleman mm. and he, he does a brilliant job every yeah. single time i've seen him yeah uh the other guest star in the teaser of this episode this one has a great <laughs> little one-off teaser yeah um and, and the the well so coach coach comes up to this couple who's waiting for their table upstairs at Melville's restaurant and he's going to kind of do a little trick to entertain them. Um we only get dialogue from the man and he's credited in the credits as Stan. I don't think we ever actually hear that. He's played by Ernie Sabella. Um this guy you know who this guy is. You've seen him, you've definitely heard him cuz he was the voice of Pumbaa in The Lion King and all of the <laughs> many Lion King spin-off movies and TV shows and everything like that. Um he he played the naked man on the subway in an episode of Seinfeld. Uh he appeared in one of my favorite movies, Quiz Show. Uh he was in The Saved by the Bell summer season uh playing Leah Remini's dad. He, the actor will actually come back in season four playing a different character. Although, again, since they don't name him, you could say that he was the same guy, but different type. So, what did you think of him? Oh, he he was funny. It's uh, the way the way Coach leads off. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll guess your age just from three simple questions. The first thing: What was the year you were born? And the guy's like, 
Are you kidding? <laughs> and, and Coach Favorite's just like, please, just bear with me here. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and the, the way the bit rolls out is, I'll let you know after dinner. After dinner. Yeah, I didn't realize I would have to carry a number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you figure the first question is, what year were you born? And then it's like, okay, well, you could narrow it down like months and day and things like that just mm-hmm. in case. But it's like, no, the second question is, how much do you weigh? And the third question is, how much, what do you do for a living? Yeah. And, and it's like, all right. I'll have your answer after dinner. And it's like, what? What are you talking? Why after dinner? Like, I had to carry a number. I was I didn't wasn't ready. <laughs> so once we come back from the opening credits, um, Norm's brief little bit here. He say, you know, uh, he says uh, his bo- his new boss chewed him out for something, and he's like, you know, he's mad. He, he said, I have a lack of enthusiasm. Mm. And I think Cliff is like, is that true? He's like. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, exactly. okay. <laughs> so it was that, and then I think I, I think the only other thing that Norman Cliff really get to do is their focus on on the tie and the food yeah. that's left over at the, on the tie. Oh, and Cliff's line of you know you can put an army's tie in a, the kettle and make soup out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As a tie was like originally invented to be a bib or something like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and when yeah, when Fraser and Diane they're coming to the barn, they're like, How do we, you know, you know, delicately, you know, point out that this man has food crusted to his tie without, you know, you know, embarrassing, you know, casting shame on his his hero? And Norman's like, You lean in as if you're admiring the tie, and then you just kinda of nibble it off. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, more and more you see that George Went and John Ratzenberger are a great one-two combo. Yeah, yeah. And it, then when they move on, they don't realize Carl has gotten the, the bit off, and Ludlow goes to use the phone, and they're you know, you know, <laughs> they do this whole really subtle thing, you know. Uh, uh, you got a little spot on your tie there, Nami. Uh, oh, well, thank you, Cliff. You know, it's uh, the uh, duty of everyone in society to do a tie check. <laughs> yeah. Uh, why don't you just beat him over the head with it, guys? <laughs> oh, I think they're so subtle, and they're actually disappointed when it's gone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As Frazier is describing this guy, he's like he's a giant of psychiatry. He's an author, innovator, educator. He's like, and I'm not ashamed to say, my idol and inspiration. And, and the coach, of course, has the best. He's like, wait, the Bennett Ludlow? And it's like, oh, you've heard of him? He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> And then, oh my gosh, once after after Carla points out, like, basically just doesn't even point it out, she just picks it off. Like, she flicks off the food from her tie or something and kind of teases him about it. He chases her down across the other side of the bar, and how does he say, he's like, I'm, I'm not the sort of person who approaches young, unfamiliar women in a bar and tries to become more familiar by using some smooth line. It's so wordy the way he has yeah. to phrase it. You know, it's it's right out of the the Fraser and Diane and their type of thing. And and she just comes out like with so like like it's a, it's amazing that she doesn't reject him outright and just like put him down. But uh, I, she she loves the attention because obviously more attention gets you more tips. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and she's playing lat along and then all that's like, "Oh, I might actually get somewhere with this. Okay. Yeah, you yeah. see the, the the switch flip in her head when she goes from barmaid to possible suitor. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because she, he's like, "What would it take to get your phone number?" She's like, "A phone book." It's pretty. <laughs> he's like, "Why am I so? Why do I find you so strikingly attractive?" She's like, "Well, you're staring at my zoomers. Let's figure that out." <laughs> and and finally, like when he says something like, he, "Like he, if he, if he, should he look in the phone book under hot babe?" And she's like, "I'm starting to like you." As she gets her name, and this goes back to something like that I've talked about with other guests, like Carla. She has a weird type, you know, the way she did, and, mm. and she comes she comes back at, at the end of this episode when she's describing the dream man that she's in love with. But, like, the fact that she was so attracted to, to Nick to the point where she repeatedly fell for him, again and again, had five yeah. previous kids with him. But, like, in the previous season, like, when she attracted Marshall, like, you know, the sweaty MIT guy, when she tried to convince him <laughs> that he was the father of one of her kids and everything, and then... Uh, in the previous season, who was the um, who was the guy the, the with the heart condition? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's his name? George, That's gonna bug George you the rest of the night. Yeah, I think it was George something, but yeah, I don't remember. But yeah, so she kind of she she's not used to nice classy guys being with her, but she does. She kind of she puts out this weird energy that even. You know, even even book type like a- academic types would would find something appealing to him, and certainly Ledlow is just you know, be, her, yeah, because she is everything is surface, <laughs> like mm-hmm. everything is id for Carla. There's no ego or super ego in <laughs> Yeah, it's it the whole the whole thing at the end where she's describing her perfect man mm. to the point where you know he's got the scar on his chin they never talks about and i heard him several times but he comes back and so, yeah. this is a very very vivid picture and then ludlow comes back oh yeah well the my perfect woman's a uh, short curly haired spunky lady who doesn't know what's good what's really good for her and well i hope you find her someday okay <laughs> And I kind of, at at first, I was sort of bristling when he said, yeah, yeah, like he described her as like this curly spitfire who doesn't know what's really good for her. And I was like, oh, that's kind of a patronizing thing for, for the man to say, especially as like from, from somebody of his position of being a psychiatrist and everything. I was like, that's kind of a jerky thing to say. On the other hand, I mean, I don't think he's speaking from authority. He's speaking as a jilted lover. I mean... They were right. together. She's carrying his child. He asked her to marry him, marry him, and she just blew him off and just said, "No, you're not the guy I want." I mean, I think in that case he might be a little bit entitled to say, "Well, I think you're an idiot because I can give you all of these things that you never had, and you don't want it." So, <laughs> yeah. Well, but you know, he's still he's being s- somewhat nice about it because he's he's yeah, complimenting no, I, her as just you know. This could be good for you. <laughs> Can you reconsider and just waves them off? No, it's it's a phenomenally amicable breakup yeah. given under Yo, the circumstances. Yeah. And the fact and that like, even it's even after that when he's like, "By the way, I hope you know I intend to pay it to support the child." And she's like, "You bet you will." <laughs> oh, and there's there's one other thing that I have to point out. There was a hungry heifer reference in this episode. Yes, there was. <laughs> oh God, I should have been tallying those too. How many hungry heifer references? <laughs> What Norm say? Uh, I I went back. You know, I went went in for their special. Oh, what was it? Is a, a a bucket of pellets and something else? It was, <laughs> yeah, the chicken the chicken special. It's like a bucket yeah. of pellets and, and grain or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. he just never learns, does he? <laughs> oh, here here's a question I had. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's obvious that Carl is not all that enthused about the proposal, yeah. Diane goes back into the back room with her. 
and she says something. When you were taking hygiene in school, did you skip the part about how not to? And I'm thinking, hygiene? They used to call sex ed hygiene? Really? I don't know if that was the name of like the class or something. We just we just had a basic health class, but I know other others would have gotten that in biology or other classes. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. We when we had it, I think it was ninth grade health. Mm-hmm. For us, yeah. it it was actual. It was actually called sex education, mm-hmm. <laughs> right there. So, yeah, hygiene. That's kind of yeah. That was yeah. kind of a little demeaning, really. Well, I mean, I'm trying to think. Uh, think of Diane's background. I mean, she's old money. You know, she you know probably mm-hmm. maybe went to a, a private parochial school. I don't know if they've talked about her high school. Well, yeah, yeah. She they have. I don't know, but yeah. It's just it. It's weird. But then again. I've seen some of those old so you have your period films. <laughs> and yeah, now that I think about it, yeah, it could probably be shown in a hygiene class because some of them are uh, this is what happens when you watch a lot of riff tracks. You right. see stuff like this. And it's some of them are really <laughs> that's how you're approaching this. <laughs> so whatever. <laughs> I thought you were screening them for your own kid. I was like, really? There's nothing more recent than that? <laughs> well, believe it or not, we actually did watch a bunch of them because Amazon had You watch the the riff tracks on Amazon Prime is, oh, well, you might like these. It's like, <laughs> there were like, there was one that was like four of them. One of them was the riff tracks one. So Michelle and I just said, yeah, what the heck? We'll watch them. <laughs> and that was like, I think a month before Kira actually got her period. Oh, wow. As I, oh, well, I guess it's good that we watch those then. Huh? Uh, family movie Not night. That, yeah. <laughs> Impromptu. We're going to go over this. Well, there will be a quiz <laughs> later. So, yeah, you don't have to deal with that. No, no um, yeah, I'll, I'll have other issues, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> um... But yeah, no. But but you're right. I love the like that whole setup, like the way Diane phrases it, notwithstanding. But yeah, which like, did you miss the how not to lecture? And Carly, I had to. I was pregnant at the time. <laughs> so uh, so many good lines in this one. Yeah, it's, just, it's slopping over with good writing. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Not not including like when she finally brings him back into the when he comes back to the bar to ask her about it, and then she's like, "How is she? Like, Have you ever seen the Brady Bunch?" <laughs> picture them with knives. Yeah, he's like, yeah. He's like, picture them with knives. He's like, what? what are you talking about? And then she's like, I have five kids, and he's like, five. She's like, well, five and counting, and it's like set up. So, um, so yeah, this uh, this is uh, this it does introduce or, or set up that this will be Carla's sixth out of the eight children she will have by the end of the series. Um. So she slows down after this. Yeah, just by <laughs> by nature, you know. She's yeah. I think I think she has to. At that, at that point, Rhea Perlman, the actress, stopped getting pregnant. So mm. uh, at least not so often. But I believe this was written in because she did get pregnant again, the actress. And I think also, I think Shelley Long got pregnant during this season too. But I don't know if it was at the beginning or the end of the season. I, I, hmm. I don't remember. I think there's a there's a series of episodes where Diane is basically just sitting at the bar, kind of like in the uh-huh. back, and, and like just reading her book and making comments and stuff, and and doesn't have as many doesn't have as many scenes or shots like where she's up and moving around. I think they shot it that way to conceal the fact that Diane was pregnant, but I don't remember when that was. I think it's this season. We'll see. 
Yeah. Uh, another little brief little thing when, when they cut away, when the guys are talking about um, uh, how, how is the setup for something like uh, with swimming or the most important part of the body or something? <laughs> oh, and, with a little finger? Yeah, the like, coach thinks you, you need a little finger to, to swim or something like that. And they're like, why? It's like, well, you, you have to, you know, get, get water in your hair. You got to clean it out or something. <laughs> Uh, and you know we're, he says that, and, and Michelle's just saying, "You know he's right." <laughs> <laughs> um, by the very end of this episode, you know, I, I was trying to contrast this to in, um, God, when was she? Was she pregnant in season? No, yeah, she she got pregnant last time in season one because uh, mm-hmm. she had the baby at the beginning of season two. Uh, in that episode, when they find out. That you know she she's pregnant again. It's with her ex husband that she wants nothing, and they sit out like this collection bowl to get money. And she she walks out, and they're singing "You'll Never Go Hungry Again" <laughs> like that. And this time she just kind of comes out, and they've seen Lud walk out of the door, walk out the door, and she's like, "Okay, you're all gonna figure it out." So here it is. I turned him down. I'm not getting married, and I'm pregnant with my sixth child, six kids for an unmarried woman living on a, a bar a waitress's salary. I don't want any of your pity. Just Go about your thing, and they're like, "All right, fine." They all turn their back. And she's like, "What are you people made of stone?" <laughs> they all rush to huddle around her, and, and so it's, it's a nice little, nice little sweet ending for the episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any other thoughts about this one before we before we go? Well, one that caught it kind of caught me off guard because I'm expecting when Norm comes in, it's a between Norm and Coach or Norm and Sam normally. Mm-hmm. So when he comes in this time, he says. You got anything pale and cold? And then Carla pipes up. <laughs> yeah, but today's Diane's day off. <laughs> yeah, that that just caught me off guard. It was that was a really good one. I like that one too. That was that was sweet. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, Norm did some work. He he made up for some past uh, past time. This one, I clocked him in as having six different beers this episode. So that brings him up to two hundred and thirty-four for the series. Well, that got to make up for that time on Bora Bora. Exactly, exactly <laughs> that episode where, where I just generously gave him gave him one that time. But yeah. yeah. Um. All right. So for the employee of the week, who did you think was the standout this time? This was a tough one because, like I said, everyone got a little bit of something to do, but it's got to be Coach. He had just so many good bits. He had, you know, the the age guessing, the uh, none of your damn business back and forth with Sam, the the pinky for swimming, and then the, you know, how, oh, God, I'm so tired. Why? Didn't you sleep well? No, I slept well like a baby, but I dreamt I had insomnia. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> I, I had him as my runner-up. I really... I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, God, Coach was so good in this. And just, like, the few little bits, like, everything was was perfect. Um, ultimately, I gave it to Carla for the obvious reason that it's a Carla-centric episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought that she did really good. I loved her monologue at the end when she's talking about her kid. Like, going through the whole, the, the range of emotions, I thought this it was an episode that kind of hinged on her, on you liking Carla and rooting for her yeah. in this one. And I thought Rhea Perlman did a great job. It was oh, very close, though. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, Coach was... Coach was ready to steal it from her, but I gave it to Carla. So uh, that's all right. We we split that one, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, you you brought up at the beginning when it comes to the home run. I'm gonna I'm actually gonna mention my runner up that I really love that I completely forgot about it, but it, it cracked me up when I heard it. Um, after you know they're they're you know um, 
Ludlow and Carla have kind of come out and they've like announced that their whole, you know, their their thing that they're together and they're, you know, they're happy. Um, Norm is saying there's like, he's like, you know, this occasion calls for somebody to buy a buy the house a round of drinks, and Lola's like, oh well, I'll do that, and Norm just very fake like, damn, you beat me to it. <laughs> I was watching this last night and I cracked up hearing that again for the umpteenth time. I was like, that was such a good thing for, for Norm to do. Oh, yeah. yeah. And per- perfectly in character, too. It's like, yeah, yeah I'm going to set this up and somebody's going to do something about it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, damn, you beat me to it. <laughs> like, oh, you twisted my arm. Yeah. Um, But then, yeah, the, the, the best one that you, that you preface. So this is the, the beauty of this one is when it comes back later on. But the, the setup is at first is when um, – there, Carla has this new boyfriend that she's not telling anybody about, but she keeps getting fl- flowers. And you know, Sam is asking. She's like, "It's not your damn business." So then Sam walks back over across the bar, and Coach is there. And it's like, "What did she say?" And Sam just quotes her directly and says, "None of your damn business." And Coach is like so mortified. He's like, "Well, excuse me for living." <laughs> He's like, "What if I had said that to you when you asked me to show you how to throw a knuckleball?" And Sam's like, "You did." He's like, oh, "Well, I guess that. I guess we're even." And then, so that part plays out. And then after the commercial break, later on, um, Ludlow is there waiting for Carla to come back so he can pop the question. He's like, I don't know, doctor, she's never been late to work before, which seems like a lie, but anyway. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, so Sam is just like, hey, coach, did Carla call? And he's like, yeah, she did. He's like, what did she say? And coach is very, with cruelty in his eyes, he's just like, none of your damn business. (laughs) And (laughs) And the look on his face afterwards, yeah, well, you think of that, huh? Yeah, exactly. It's like, like, that's like, that's a a mean coach right there. And then he just, kind of, as he's walking away, giving him the shoulder, he's like, how's your knuckleball? (laughs) It's like, coach, I've never seen that. He just doesn't get it. I love hey, that. You don't, you, don't, you don't curse a coach, apparently. <laughs> no, of course. <laughs> it's like that—that that was the—that was the angry coach who taught like the fourth grade <laughs> baseball team. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you have any other uh, good ones or lines? Yeah, mine. Mine was in the um, the fight between Diane and Frazier because they're they're blaming each other <laughs> yeah. for why Ludlow's not keeping appointments with them and everything. And this <laughs> Frazier just had, had the, the best one. He's you know, basically talking about how Diane was being, uh, so fawning over him as, you know, if you took off your clothes and writhed on the floor, it would have been a refreshing note of subtlety. <laughs> just that, that just cracked me up because Kelsey Grammer can deliver these lines so deadpan. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just it. I'm. I just want to know how many takes it took <laughs> for some of those because everybody had to start cracking up. Oh, I know. So good. So good. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, I mean, he, he really kind of disappears halfway through the episode, but in the first half, he is fantastic. I mean, oh, yeah. it's, uh, that, that should come as no surprise. I mean, like, when we're talking about who, who does, who's the best in this episode, you know, that's, sometimes we're splitting hairs because it's pretty much yeah. every, everybody is always on. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, the, again, when I when I come back, I was like, okay, who does? Oh, this is the one where Carla's pregnant, and I'm usually setting myself up as like, all right, it's a Carla one. I'm usually not as entertained by those, but I thought this one was so fun and really, really good. So yeah, this this was good because we've we've been catching up 
recently. Uh, so basically we had gotten to the end of season two and just started recently watching season three, uh, I would say a few days ago. And it's just, there's a, you know, good episode followed by good episode followed by good episode. This, this season is just firing on all cylinders and it's across the board. You know, it's not, it's not just the leads doing it. It's the entire ensemble and it's wonderful. Yeah. 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 They really pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Gene, thank you for coming back to the show once again. Always love having you on the show. Um, until you come back again, where can people find you? Well, as you mentioned at the top of the show, that you can find me at the Class 1000 Marvel Live Action Superhero Role Playing Podcast, or some combination of those words. Uh, the The first season is done. We're going to start up a second season sometime soon, and that should be coming in the new year, so something to look forward to. Uh, most of my stuff can be found on Two True Freaks, which is getting a brand spanking new website, which means when that shows up, Anime Freak shows up. Ah. <laughs> Once again, and also uh, something new over there is I'm going to be one of the uh, ensemble players in the new audio dramatization of Terry Moore's Strangers in Paradise. Ooh. Oh, cool. So I'm, I'm one of the background voices, but there are some really good leads and we've already done some special Halloween stuff. So look for that coming out fairly soon. Very cool. Very cool. Very exciting. Yeah. Well, again, thanks for being on the show. Uh, listeners, thank you to all of you who check out Cheerscast and support the show by liking and sharing on Facebook, favoriting and retweeting on Twitter, and leaving comments on the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to Mike Gillis from Radio vs. the Martians, Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, and Ashford from Right On Network, who sponsor this show. For more information on how you can support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. Thanks to everyone for listening, and until next time, we're closed. Damn it, Sam, where is she? Dr. Ludlow, I don't know. She's almost never late. Coach, did Carla call? Yes, she did. Well, what did she say? None of your damn business. (laughs) How's your knuckleball?